This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies, and the creatives that make them, not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside, you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary, and underappreciated films from filmmakers like yourself worldwide. The best part is that it's completely free. So sign up today at www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. It just takes a few seconds. And once you sign up, you'll get our next newsletter on Friday morning. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights, our biweekly newsletter, and join a network of film creatives just like yourself. That's www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights for free. Hello, hello, lovely people. I have a surprise and a gift for you in the form of a new partnership with Bodega Sync. We at the Make It Podcast understand how important score and sound are to filmmaking. And as a musician myself, living in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, I love and relate to the indie singer-songwriter grind for sure. That's why going forward, we will feature a song from an independent artist curated exclusively by our partners at Bodega and us at the Make It Podcast. Today's outro song is called Close to You by pop and R&B artist Helen. She's been writing songs for over a decade and gained notable recognition when one of her tracks was featured in the Netflix movie Do Revenge. You can follow her on Instagram at Helen Kabidi. That's spelled H-E-L-E-N-K-E-B-E-D-E. So that's Helen Kabidi on Instagram. You can also follow her on TikTok at Helen Music. And music is spelled with two I's and two C's. So we spell that M-U-S-I-I-C-C. So follow her on TikTok at Helen Music with two I's and two C's. And please let us know if you like this new approach to our outro music. You can do that by hitting us up at our Instagram page. That's underscore make it podcast. You can also leave comments uh, with us directly. I'm on X at Flaming Your Heart or Chris Barkley. Just either one will work. Your is spelled U-R, so Flaming Your Heart or Chris Barkley on X. You can let Nick know. Comment to him on Reddit at Nicholas Bugs or email him at nick at bonsai.film. So we'd love to hear from you. If you like this new approach, sharing these independent songs you may not have heard of and independent artists you may not have heard of. With that... Please enjoy our conversation with actor and director Jordan Charles, featuring the amazing track Close to You by the aforementioned Helen. You're listening to Make It, the indie film podcast. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It podcast. And I'm here with my good friend and co-founder, Nicholas Bugs. And of course, our esteemed guest is with us, Jordan Charles. Jordan, Nick, say hello. You first, Nick. Ah, there we go. 
<laughs> Look at that, man. We got we got a guest who, you know, has some manners. I love it. He was like, you look, I'll 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 step back, you know, and, and let Nick go. I appreciate you for that, man. But it's 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 great to be here, Chris and Jordan. Uh it's just awesome to have another filmmaker on here with us, you know, chopping it up and 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 chatting. So I look forward to it. Yeah, likewise. No, I appreciate it. Nick Chris, thanks for the opportunity. Um looking forward to having a, a good chat with you guys today. So thank you. It's our pleasure. Likewise, I do want to just say, like, I don't know uh, how many episodes we'll publish before this one actually publishes. But on on I think one that was two episodes ago, I've been thinking about it ever since, Nick. I was like, because it just came out. Have you ever said anything, Jordan, where you it comes out of your mouth? And, it, and to you, you said it the right way. You you communicated the feeling and meaning of the words that were coming out of your mouth, but to everyone else, it meant something else. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the it's the worst. So the worst thing in the world is just to be misunderstood in general, right? Like like it's very frustrating. You, you know, we you we live and die on these things as artists. Like, please understand me. Uh, <laughs> so I, I got a I got a Chris, Chris Tucker feel right now, man. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> Yes, ex- yes, yes, exactly. So a couple of weeks ago, I was like, nobody takes us too seriously. And I'm like, mm. and you were like, Nick, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. We, we, and I'm like, yeah, I know for indie film, like, like you can follow us. We've done three feature films, our own ro- worldwide distribution, a bunch of short films. We did all these consults, script reads, et cetera. We have a lot of experience doing this. Yes, you can take us seriously. I meant, I literally did mean like just the fact that it's a podcast and, there are moments where we are just shooting the the shit and and it's not really like the end of the world it's 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 not uh it's not the trinity test in oppenheimer right oh, like, like like that's what i meant to say but i think it came off as hey we're a bunch of clowns and so right. you don't <laughs> you shouldn't be you shouldn't be like tuning into this podcast anyway so just for those out there listening no yes this is no yes. Speaking of <laughs> yes, the situation, <laughs> listen, you can take us seriously on film stuff, but we also aim to entertain you. And therefore, there are moments that are sort of less uh, serious, less intense, uh, less demanding of your intellect. And that's what I meant by that. So I just wanted to clear that up. Oh, I appreciate you, man. You know, you said less serious, and I'm sitting here thinking about my uh, my Joker Lego over my shoulder up there. I love right? that it's like, why so serious? Yeah, you know <laughs> what? What I've found about that, Nick, about your background is that most people don't know it's Legos. Yeah, no, dude, I was, that I surprised everybody... me. But yeah, see, look, Jordan's over here, like what? <laughs> no, because yeah, you're right. Some are like really inspired. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah, dude, like these, this is all just Legos, man. You know, I go to the Lego store and get mm-hmm. all the individual pieces and just make up my own designs based off of, you know, uh, maybe what the kids want or what I'm interested in making. So no sets, man. This is all about Lego master building over here. I <laughs> love it. Love it. It's, <laughs> it's true. And, and that's, I think that's the other thing, Nick, is people assume that you bought a set. It's oh like, yeah. No, 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 he just bought a bunch of blank canvases and like, took a picture and made it into a Lego. So that's right. I, I, I it. Yeah. I, I find it to be the most original podcast backdrop in podcasting. Oh dude. I appreciate you. For I don't, that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah, yeah. anybody has it and certainly won't have it in this variety because 
by looking at that wall, you kind of get a sense of like what you're into. You got it. Like your whole life, you know, you're like, oh, this is a man child. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, aren't we all? You know, aren't we all? We just, I I am just in tune with it. You know, that's the key. I'm in tune with it. So yeah, I'm, I'm all about it. It's like, put it, put the life out there on the wall in Legos and just have fun with it. And it's, it's also one of these things that's like kind of a callback to what we always say, which is filmmakers are people too. That's right. And why is that important? Because we're not just filmmakers, right? We do other stuff. Yes. Right. We do Legos. We make music. We're scientists. We're activists. <laughs> right. We're we can do all Ale- the shout things. Shout out to Alexi Gambus. There you go. <laughs> Alexi Scientist filmmaker. That, right. So we can be all of these things and we should not be afraid to to share that with the world. And I know that Jordan, that's kind of right up your alley. Uh, I just said activist, right? Like you you do other stuff. You have other interests. And, you know, we try to provide a platform for people to share that. Yeah. So why, why don't you yeah, break us, break it all down? Like do the, do the, let's do the actual official introduction here. So Jordan, take it away. Jeez. I was getting so into the Lego thing though. Now like it was just, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> like, don't get me started, man. I could keep going. So it's all on you now, man. It's all you. Hi everyone. Uh, Jordan Charles. Uh, I'm actually, here with the two of you, I guess, to promote our current project, Brothers in Arms. Uh, it's a project we're super proud of. We're taking the short film to feature film financing and development routes. So I'm just happy to, I guess, create awareness for the project. So I appreciate you guys doing this. That's no, it's awesome. our pleasure. It's our pleasure. So to just hop back in on what Nick was just alluding to and it brought up, you're an actor activist. That's a that's an interesting title, uh, not one we get often. When did you become an actor activist instead of an actor only? And what is the core of your activism? Oh, that's a great, great question. You know, it's interesting. I don't know why. So my parents were, uh, they were immigrants from Italy after World War II. And the, the upbringing, I mean, we all have disparate heritages and all these things. And there was a lot of division in our family. But the one constant was, I mean, Italian Catholic, it's food family, church, and uh, probably slaps upside the cheek if you don't follow the, 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 the background of, you know, participating in those three things. My, my dad was very passionate about gardening and the environment and uh, how we're not doing a good job as stewards of the planet. And I grew up with a lot of uh, acculturation of that type. Mm-hmm. And I just, I care about a lot of different things. I mean, I think we're all activists in our own right, right? Like some are just gain, gaining a higher profile for things like that. But I think it started a lot at home, which it does, I think, for most people. And I just really want to use art to help promote either projects or platforms that, uh, whether through the art or otherwise, through yourself as an artist, that, you know, can leave the planet in a better place than the way we find it, right? I'm sure you guys believe in these things as well. Yeah, I think so. Like, there's a there's a ton of stuff that I think we can do, you know, individually to to make the planet better. And I think we all sort of intuitively know when we're doing something that's terrible, just in general, and when we're doing something that's very helpful. Um, I'm sure sure there are obvious exceptions to that, where you could say, "Oh, I thought I was doing something really positive, and then you didn't have the science or 
and I hate that phrase, the science, but you didn't have the information. You didn't have the knowledge and the experience to know that, that you were doing, you know, something that was, that was harmful. But in general, I think we know that it's a little, it's a, a small of a thing is like not driving a gas car is yeah, great. Right. Uh, right. A, a, as little as pulling back on red meat or meat in general is, mm-hmm. and so I'm not saying, Listen, I'm the first person to tell a vegan person you're not a revolutionary, right? Like to, like, to their face, right? You're, to their face, you roll yeah. right? Yeah, well, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a I'm a slightly large person, so so yeah, I, I have no problem with face to face confrontations. But it, Chris walks up in Whole Foods, starts slapping people, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, well, look, like, well, and I have some in my family. I love them to death, and I think they're doing the right thing. I'm I'm simply saying, you made a dietary choice. And that's awesome. And it's the right dietary choice. And you're doing the right thing because I think people do, maybe not today, but five years ago would have been surprised to know that really industrialized farming is the biggest cause of, of global warming, uh, even more than, than cars in India, but um, in factories. And so just pull back on, there there are these little things we can all do um, that, that where you don't have to, to my point, be a revolutionary but you're, but that's activism, right? I agree. So yeah, that's all. And I don't, Nick, do you have, you have any, uh, examples of, of your own activism? Yeah, I'm man. Just, you're I'm curious at, about this. You're, you're looking at one right now. It's called this podcast. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Dude, like, why don't I we do see, that? That's interesting. I didn't view our podcast as an activist oh, podcast per man, se. 100%. But we, I guess, I guess we're activists for filmmakers. Is that what you're saying? Yes. That's okay, exactly what I'm saying. Thing. I mean, yeah. you know, there's there's a little, I don't know. I, I got a I got a question for for Jordan in a second, but I'll say this: one of the reasons as to why we started this podcast was because of some early experiences that we had in filmmaking, and you could say there were some mistakes that were made, or there were some things that that happened just in in either making films or distributing films, and we were like, look, man we got to let people know what's up, mm. right? We have to get out there and just get the megaphone, which is the podcast yeah. and tell people, Hey, avoid this. Look out for that. Try to be this. Don't do that. Right? Like sure. come over here on our podcast and do a, an episode that we call mistakes in the making, where we tell people to come on and just talk about a mistake that you made a lesson that you learned so that people can avoid those mistakes going forward. Right. Activism is just about having a cause and then bringing people in to that cause and educating them as to why they need to be a part of it. That's what we do on the podcast. So I have a a little thing that I wanted to tell or ask you, Jordan. Um, There was a film, a little film that you did back in 2016. Uh, At least it was produced in 20 or distributed in 2016. Railway Spine. Yes. Mm -hmm. Were you at, at all involved in the distribution of that film at the time, or were you just uh, featuring as an actor in that film? Yeah, so I, I came aboard a bit late on that project through a mutual call. That's Samuel Gonzalez's film. He's, a, he's actually a military veteran uh, turned director. He's a very talented guy, really good mm-hmm. guy. Um, I actually came, came on board as an actor. I had a supporting role in that but I was not involved after the release and distribution. I did attend some of the events 
when it was making the film festival rounds. Uh, I remember yeah. going to San Diego and I think a few other places, but why do you ask? Well, uh, Chris, without saying any names at the moment, um, mm -hmm. we just happened to have a film, uh, two films that were actually in the process of being distributed by the same distributor that Railway Spine had at the time, Got back it. in the 2016 to 2018 timeframe. So it's very interesting because that's a six degrees of separation type deal. I'm like, wow. oh, wow. Jordan cool. Charles and we had the same distributor for our films around that time. And since you weren't necessarily privy to a lot of the distribution stuff, let's just say that um, those were some of the lessons that we learned that <laughs> prompted us to start this podcast. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny when you say, you, know, you hear all these anecdotal stories or, I mean, in your case, suggestions, like the, the business side of making art is so different than the creative side. And you have to that's be, it. you got to really roll with the punches on both sides. But I mean, that's mm. just a completely different, I, I find, God bless some people on the distribution side of the industry. I mean, they have their own passions as well, but I sometimes find that their lens or their vantage point, that their angling is often very different than a lot of the creative sides that have arrived prior to you reaching that point. So it's just a very interesting to me. Yeah, you're spot on with that. And Chris, I know that you've got you know some talk tracks on that as well, because that is, again, one of the reasons why we got into this is because you have to either really understand both sides or bring people into your team who understand and respect both sides. Like if you want to make money with your art, then you have to respect the business period. You can't go mm -hmm. in just as an artist. You can't go blind to that. And I think that's one of the things that I know Chris and I encountered. I think we were the ones really advocating for the business side of things and contracts and watching out for certain things and marketing and who do you connect yourself with and, Whereas some of the filmmakers were so focused on the art that they did become blind to what was happening in that business space. Yeah. You know, let, let me touch on some, I'll piggyback on that because I, I think you're heading it right on on this. You know, I, I realize one of the, I guess one of the inceptions of us even doing this film, I'm sure you guys have gone through similar journeys on your, you know, projects, whether in the beginning or in the middle, but you kind of, you get a little bit, frustrated perhaps and i don't even know if that's right maybe even impatient where you really have a voice and you want to really get your art out your narrative you have a, a viewpoint something that you want to share with others and audience and then for whatever reason people are not aligned with your viewpoint or they're like i just don't see this as palpable as you do and then but you're like no you got to stick to your convictions and you you got to get your project out there you want to allow that voice to be heard but all of the things that come up on the business side to be able to like develop a project and then shoot it and then get it out there so that eyes get on it. I would actually argue there are so many talented people that are, you know, in filmmaking circles all over the place, either domestically or international, but it's really the business side and your acuity in that, I think that actually gets you further because there's so many people that have got inventive ideas and they can mm -hmm. you know articulate themselves through expression and all these wonderful things their imaginations are just a boundless but it's actually like how are you going to navigate production how are you going to learn how to go through the pitfalls of hiring or even perhaps even removing people or how are you going to deal with scheduling difficulties then how do you herald the project as a commodity 
to, for it to be picked up by others that can see a return on investment. Those are the hard things that I don't think you're ever taught as an artist. And those are the ones I think that propel you further. Most people can create, but I think most artists don't understand what it takes on the business side. I'm constantly learning as well. Like, I think we're all in that position. Yep, you're spot on. Yeah, and the the business changes all the time, at least the business side changes all the time as people move in and out of public service seats, right? Mm -hmm. So tax incentives, state to state, country to country can change over time and ebb and flow. And so you always need to, to know where the latest or newest opportunity is. And having an incredible accountant that's in industry is one of the little pieces of secret sauce that that will really help you along the way if you're if you're a producer um we do have a podcast episode i think it's called the a, a to z of film investment you can get that on on the audio side or on our youtube channel i think it's the only podcast of its kind where we basically take almost two hours i think and just go through all these little sort of vignettes of scenarios you run into when you're trying to a be an investor in a film or b trying to be a producer that's getting investment in a film awesome. so i highly recommend people going back in the library i don't know of any other episode that that does that speaks to the the person with the purse and speaks to the person that's trying to get the money as well there are some podcasts that speak to financing obviously and, and how to raise it but i don't know if there's any podcast that that try to prepare the executive producer for what they're going to see on the creative side and from the producer and the things the producer is going to tell you to try to get you to invest in the movie and what to look out for. That's, that doesn't exist outside of this podcast. So I, again, I would tell everybody to go find that. And so with that being said, um, you know, it, it is interesting because th there is a bit of a chasm uh, in, in terms of the temperament experience and, and value each side brings, it can always, it is always helpful, I should say, for a creative to up their business game and understand that side as much as possible. But what isn't said as much is I think it's advantageous for the EP, the person that's going to sort of finance the movie, if it's a, if it's a true indie, to, to know creative ever more, like get ever more creative, know what every person on set does at least enough to be dangerous, at least enough to know if someone's burning your cash on set, right? Like there's so many EPs that are just investing in movies as a way to diversify their portfolio or a way to, to show loss of income mm -hmm. at tax season. Uh, those are by the way, both really good pitches to a high net worth individual, <laughs> like, like, like those are things that high net worth individuals are thinking about annually. Uh, but there are some people who really want to be wowed by uh, a, a piece of creative or want to be in bed with the team that does creative. And, and, and I say in bed because once you make a movie, you're married to it for life, whether you like it or not. Okay. So, and so I, I think as an EP, with the money you have to try to your best to bring out the creative and the love you have for the art form so that you can make sort of better, wiser investments because on their own, the creative and the business person, they're different people, like completely different people. I, I feel like a filmmaker will make a film with his team 
and at the end of it say, no matter what, we made this beautiful film together. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that, Jordan. Like, you know, it's all good. You know, we didn't make you know any money on this, but we got we made this beautiful film together. And yeah. then the business side of that doesn't think like that at all. Like they don't think like they like they don't understand. Oh, why did you make this decision? What why you know why didn't you go into this market or or try to find this placement or make this phone call? Or why is the accounting so bad? Or like whatever. So they're they're thinking strictly on dollars and cents and like business decisions and why they're made and not made. So the, the closer both sides can get to each other, the better chance you have to have a successful film all the way around. Yeah, and I got a question for you, Jordan, from your experience. Like, so Chris talked about it's it's best if the creative can have that sense right? Some mm -hmm. of that business sense and that business acumen. And I think I mean, that's obviously true, but that's probably not going to be the reality. <laughs> they're just, they're just not going to do it. Right. Because the, the, the creative, the true creatives, that's what they want to do. They want to create. That's it. They want someone else to deal with that other stuff because yeah. then that, if they focus on the business, it takes them away from the creative. So from your experience, have you found that there has been that kind of balance because ultimately you would think that like Chris mentioned, you could have the benefit of an executive producer who has some connections, has some business acumen. And you'll also have a producer who's focused on those things while maybe the director or the writer, other folks are focused on the creative. Have you been, have you seen that there's balance at all? Or is it more like everybody's a creative and just barely scratching the surface on the business side? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's great. And I, kudos to you guys too, because the, I think you're right. I mean, my mind initially when I made that comment was that, you know, the, the artists sometimes struggle with this business side, but you're also right. It has to work in the inverse too, because as they say, the suits, like you have to, <laughs> you got to make sure that they're also spirited towards like what you're trying to make, because even though it is a commodity, the financing has to get behind the project too, in terms of what its motives are, its ambitions and everything else. But to answer your question, Nick, I, so I lived in Honolulu uh, for a while. I was acting in independent films and doing a few other pursuits there. But Cameron Crowe came there to film Aloha, and I had a bit part mm -hmm. in that. And that film sadly got, I mean, it got caught up in a lot of the, the Sony hack incident, and there were a lot of things there. And that's when I believe Amy Pascal was running Sony Studios at that time. And Cameron's such a gracious director. He's a very, very good human being, in my opinion, and uh, I can tell, like, at that time, Sony, I think the stereotype in the industry was that that's one of the studio heads that actually really cared about film, like, where, what are we going to make and what are we going to be represented by versus, like, do the dollars make sense or, like, is the, the cost sheet going to make sense in terms of the overall investment return? So I've, I've been part of that project uh in no way, shape or form where, you know, I was like leading the effort as an actor. And then vis-a-vis -vis that, you know, compared to like some of the independent projects that I've been on either as an actor or producer, I find the homegrown, the grassroots stuff and in independent filmmaking, I actually find that it's more, I don't know, people's, their, their goals or agendas are more congruent because I think that you're making films perhaps for different reasons. I mean, everyone wants to make something where, you know, it gets exposure and the audience takes a positive reception from it. And then like, kind of like what you were saying, Chris, too, like, hey, we, we made it. Good job. It's awesome. But 
I actually think on the independent side, I mean, you're really more exploring character and the conflicts have so much more depth in my opinion, for the most part, that's not always the case. I mean, studio films, they can carry a lot of depth as well. And they're very hard to make because of the, the dollars involved and the scale. But I actually find that the, the heart for the cinema, I still think it beats loudest on the independent filmmaking landscape. I, I, I really believe that. I don't know if you guys have found that as well. I mean, you guys oh, are dude, I'm with you. In your own I, I, I'm, you know that I'm 100% there. And Chris knows, especially because, you know, Chris will ask about one of the blockbuster films of the day. And he'll ask like, Nick, what'd you think of it? And I'm like, I didn't see it. You know, like he's yeah. like, oh, he, seriously, you didn't see it. I'm like, yeah, but I watched 13 short films, right? And from <laughs> all these people from across the world, and they were awesome, and I was crying, and they moved me, and I, the the, the depth of character or the animation or whatever it was, like all of that stuff moves me so much more. Now, are there studio films that can move me as well, Chris? I finally watched Anatomy of a Fall. Oh, yeah, it's good. Oh my god! <laughs> like I was at breakfast this morning. I was at breakfast this morning doing script review with producer Joe for the movie he's shooting today. Uh, and the table across from us, I'm all up in their Kool Aid because some one of the person <laughs> said, "You have to." One of the people said at the other table said, "You have to see Anatomy of a Fall." And I'm like, right. "Yes, you do. Yes, you do." <laughs> I yeah. like, turned to him and they're like, "What?" And I was like, "Sorry, I don't mean to be listening to eavesdrop. I just heard you say that out loud." And I'm like. Absolutely. And, but, but Chris, yeah. let me, I'm going to share this with you, with both of you real quick on the, on Anatomy of a Fall. Now, had I been up on my French like I probably should be, but I'm not. I thought you knew I, French. I do, but I'm not as up on it as I should be. Yeah. Had I been on top of my French, I could have, I'll, I'll do it like this, <laughs> quote unquote, watched the entire film blindfolded. Because, and think about this, you did not need to see that film, if you knew the language, to be able to enjoy it. To me, oh. I don't know that I've ever related to a film in that way ever in my life. Because the dialogue carries it. The sound design carries it. Everything is in the speaking, right? Everything I'll, is I'll there. I'll push back I was like, on you in Man. one way. I'll push back on you in one way. I think the performance, and I'm, I, I wish I had her name right in front of me. I had it written down on, on one of these pads. But um, this would be a great time for producer Papa Bear, producer Joe, to be here and like, <laughs> throw this in the chat so I would look like a genius. But the, the lead actress, the, the pro tag yeah. uh, on this, you want to watch it for her. Oh, no, no, no. You could not, watch I'm it not, blindfold. I know what you're exactly, saying. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I, think, I think there's a lot of pleasure in watching this performance. All the well, performance, there, yes. the young child's performance. And, yeah, I agree. I never knew. I agree. Name, but, I'm yeah. just telling you, I have never walked away from a, I'm just saying that I've never walked away from a film and reflected back and said, I could have just listened to this entire thing, not seen a thing and fully enjoyed the film just as it was never Fair. in my life. Right. Right. So, so anyway, that's that I digress. So, but there are these studio films that can do that, but I agree with you wholeheartedly that I do find the heart of film to be an independent cinema. And I think mm -hmm. that's why I seek it out. And I think that's why we have this podcast because I think sometimes I feel like independent filmmakers don't want to be independent filmmakers. And they focus so much on what's happening in Hollywood and studio 
that they sometimes forget that they can be successful as independent filmmakers. There oh, are yeah. people like us out here who want to see your stuff, man. Like yeah. <laughs> I will pay for well, it. I will not, I'm not going to have to, I won't have to just get it for free. I will pay for it. And I think uh, there's an opportunity there. A few things before we get into our latest edition of things we should know. So to your point, Jordan, this year is the year that, that I think, and there's been a few years actually of late. If you think about, you know, Parasite and um, Nomadland and a few of these movies who have really been quite successful at award season time, this year is no different. I mean, American fiction yep. might be the overall best movie pound for pound uh, where everything is there. The whole thing is put together. Um, you have Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, please go watch a, a, a thousand and one like that. That movie, first of all, Tiana Taylor, Tiana Taylor, yeah, kudos. Mm -hmm. I had no, I didn't know. I was not familiar with your game. Like she acted her butt off and uh, I wish there was more buzz about that performance. And I, she was on the cover of a uh, filmmaker magazine. Uh, so kudos to Gotham for, for doing mm -hmm. that, but, uh, or the Gotham, uh, but mm -hmm. Outside of that, I didn't see a whole lot from from like the big industry magazines, to your point, you know, Jordan and Nick. But like that feels every bit like a guerrilla indie film, like like shoot in New York, a camera, you know, moving, you know, uh, not on a crane, <laughs> you know, not on not, you know, not on a dolly. Um, you know, no, you know, I don't know if there were steady cam shots or not, but it was like. Oh, this feels like an indie and it feels raw and it feels delicious. It reminded me of um, the way kids felt by Harmony Corinne. It reminded oh, wow. me of how that, how that movie felt. Like, so go watch a thousand and one. It had been a movie that I kind of had pushed to the back of the line. And I'm a dumb dumb because it ended up being, <laughs> it ended up being a movie I really, really liked. Now I've watched every, you know, every award nominated film. Um, like, I, like I do every year. So I, you know, to me, I, I wish I had to push that back, but that's that indie spirit. Like go watch that movie. If you're an indie filmmaker, I think it's a masterclass in it. Uh, but also that feel that you guys are talking about the reason you love watching what you're watching. I think that, you know, that's there too. So that's one, two, Nick, I want to, I want to congratulate you. I'm proud of you. Mm. The growth, the growth, bro, to say that you cry. <laughs> oh my gosh like just a few years ago people were calling you a robot yes people yes, were, were calling you a cardboard cutout because <laughs> they didn't they didn't believe that i existed that's why <laughs> <laughs> and now here you are on this uh well listened to podcast with jordan charles talking about crying at a yeah, short film and, and then hey, the list hey, a, a short uh, or no less it is. It is what it is. Holy man. moly! It is, it is what it That's is. Awesome. So you've gone, so, Nick. Yeah. You've gone from uh, Black Panther to Super Mario behind you. It's fantastic. Growth. It's growth. It's exactly. It's exactly, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could reach it. to this camera and give you a digital hug, man. <laughs> Yo, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. And what's, what's, I was going to tell you, Chris. I, I'm I'm stupid, and y'all know. Like when we get on here, like I could be stupid. And Chris said. He said, dumb, dumb. And I'm sorry, man, but I got to throw this out there. You said, dumb, dumb. And I'm like, you said, dumb, dumb. I'm the one over here looking like a chocolate lollipop. 
<laughs> see, see, George, George said he's, he's so stupid. <laughs> this was the sorry, not sorry disclaimer from the start. I could see how yep, some people yeah, yeah. Exactly. We gotta is have your, fun, is your bro. brain gotta... is your brain the gum center? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have fun. Gotta have. All right, all right, all right. Let's, let's, wait, wait, let's, let's wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you want to do hold it? On. We'll move into. I have, I have. Right, yes, right. I do. I have one right. more point I want to make. Okay. And this is goes right back to Jordan. And we will we will promptly get into things we should know. Very good. Because I want to make sure I say this this thing because it has to do with financing for your movie. If you're on the creative side and you are uh, working with your producers or you are the producer, but let's say you're more of a creative than a producer, maybe, mm-hmm. and you're going to seek financing and you go to someone who is strictly on that business side, don't approach that meeting with a lot of um art what's the right way to say a lot of sort of zeal about how excited you are to make your movie Uh, that should be there but the way a a seasoned investor looks at that is like oh you're kind of a crazy-eyed dreamer and i don't invest in in crazy-eyed dreamers right like like you have to understand that to these people you saying that your movie is the next big thing sounds like the highest of pipe dreams. Mm-hmm. It sounds preposterous. And, and so they're just going to nod at you and smile. And in their head, what they're thinking is this guy is, or this girl is so incredibly delusional. I wish them the best. I hope they get to make their art. <laughs> I'm just not going to be a part of it. You know, so you have to understand the mindset is so different. Like you couldn't imagine someone looking at you as a creative and saying, this guy or girl uh, has no grip and foothold in reality. Um, you know what yeah, I mean? So, so come with the business to a business person. No, I appreciate you saying that. You know, it, so it's interesting you say that because I'm actually finding that this project I mean, you go through different chapters in terms of like what your role is on a project, like in the shooting phase of producer, you got to keep the whole thing going. Then the post-production phase, it's like you may have to step in almost like a supervisory role if it's your baby as a project. And after that, in the distribution side, it's like you got to find homes to have it released. And then beyond that, it's just it's promotion marketing and then work on what's next. But, you know, it's interesting on this one. So we we started off with a short. I made the decision to make it 39, 40 minutes to show that it could actually have its intended life on the long format, right? And then after we finished the short, I mean, we were fortunate. We we got some accolades on the film festival circuit. It it gained some acknowledgement. It got a best film award, best cinematography and things, which is great. You don't do it for the awards, but then I I started realizing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, maybe that should be included in terms of like, how we're presenting the project to potential, you know, production partners or financing partners. But then when some of the dialogue is started with this now, I already find myself, the actor is kind of being subdued now. And it's almost like, what does a win-win arrangement look like for you? Or uh, we're going to be completely open and receptive in terms of like, what are you looking for? Or what does the right project look like for you? Instead of, like me heralding all the virtues of the project, because you're right. It's yep. almost like you have to come at a different level after the film is done. If you're trying to secure funding or otherwise, 
so that we're almost interpreting like it's promise at their level or through their lens. And it's almost, I just feel like I'm the artist in me is almost being eviscerated in a way because I feel like I, I'm almost having to speak a different language. And, and I'm like, I've been cognizant of that. And I'm thinking, am I doing that too much? Because we're trying to, you know, resolve on the goal and you want to hear your potential partners too, to see what they're realizing. But I also don't want to lose the artist either. You know what I mean? Like I'm just piggybacking on what you're saying, Chris, but I no, also get exactly your point as well. Right. No, it's exactly right. There's a reason why uh, the money people get called suits. And it's a reason why executives at studios get called suits. It's because they don't speak the language of the creative sometimes. Right. And the reason why we might call you a wild eyed creative or dreamer as a, on the business side or whatever is because you don't speak the language of business. You didn't come to me with who your target audience was. You didn't come to me with how you're going to spend your marketing budget or what you've earmarked for that. You didn't come to me with the details of your complete team, including the marketing and the accounting team. You didn't come to me with why this story needs to be told and why me. You know, one of me and Nick's uh, mentors in this game told us early on, you never want to be in a situation where they could go to a guy or gal and that person give $1 more. And then all of a sudden they're the perfect executive producer for them. Mm. It's like, you never want to be in a money race. Like if, if, if all I am is a walking check to you, I'm the wrong guy for you. I, yeah. I you know I, I need to be more than that because what happens is, is I can be usurped by the, by a guy who's $1 wealthier than me. And that's terrible. Like, so, yeah, so there's, yeah. Chris, I was going to, I was going to jump in on that one and mention, cause you, you, you did start the conversation there that I was going to add to it, which is when working with filmmakers, we always ask them about the whys mm -hmm. and filmmakers are really good at a couple of these, but they usually leave one of them out. So we would always ask like, so why you, why this story, why now? Right. So you, you got that all down, right? You got why me? Because I'm the greatest. You know, I've been doing this all my life. By the way, right? that's, a, like, that's a terrible why, why me answer, by the way. Yeah, I know. Ahead. Right. Yeah. They do it. Right. <laughs> right. Wait, wait, here, let's, give me, give, we can do, we can do this. Right. Chris, the terrible yeah. answer is so why this story? Terrible answer. Cause everybody's talking about it right now. It's the biggest thing, right? Like it's yeah. this, it's this, you know, then like, like why now? Because it's in the news and they're talking about like, it's all the same stuff. I'm the best. I, I need to be the one to tell this story. Everybody's talking about it. It's really popular, right? The, the main why that we really want to get at is why me? So when I say why me, I'm in the position of the executive producer. That's the part that they always leave off the table. They have everything about why they need to make the film, why they're the ones who should do it, why the story is important in the zeitgeist today. And then they stop. And what they have to get right is why that investor? And as Chris and I talk about you know, very often is that there's a lot of different types of return on investment, just like there's a lot of different types of currency in film. Return yeah. on investment could be that you're making a film about a subject that I'm passionate about. And I want that story to get out just as much as you do. And that's why I'm gonna invest in it because the return on investment is activism, yep. right? The return on investment is, is telling a story that really hits home for me and I connect with it. Whether or not a dollar comes back, that's not my ROI. 
Then you have the folks that Chris mentioned that people call the suits. They're the folks who are interested in the dollars. So if you're going to go talk to them, then you need to be prepared with a conversation about the dollars, right? So that's it. If you can really grasp that why me and understand that why me for all of the different types of investors, because you can have multiple, right? They don't all have to be about money or about activism, about whatever, it, or even just the art of filmmaking. But every time you approach one of them, you need to have the why me. And I'll, I'll give you one more, guys. The, fil- the, the investor the filmmakers love the most is the ivory tower investor. The person who just gives the money, doesn't want anything to do with the movie, doesn't know what it's about, doesn't yeah. ever come on set. Like just they had their own ulterior motives for why they're giving the money. Um, oh, God, filmmakers love that guy. Or guy. Like, <laughs> oh, this is perfect. But let me tell you as a filmmaker why you don't want an ivory tower EP. The reason why is because they don't understand the movie business. So when they call you a year and a half later and say, hey, where's my money? <laughs> You're like, oh, well, it was a speculative investment. It was a risk. You signed this thing. Like, now all of a sudden, you're in a legal battle with someone that's super wealthy. And you're scratching by, right? Like, it's a terrible position to be in. You need people who understand what you're doing, what they're getting into, the true nature of it. What, you know, were you able to execute? Uh, did they have faith in your execution? Like in the front end, it's all great because you took some money mm. and and this yep. person isn't bothering you. They're not micromanaging you. They don't want anything from you. But in the long run, you're going to end up in one of these Dame Dash, Lee Daniels situations where <laughs> Dame Dash is showing up to Lee Daniels engagements and everywhere he goes threatening to kick his ass because he doesn't get his money back. And Lee Daniels is having to like respectfully explain to Dame Dash like, hey, man, this is the movie business. Like we don't always nut on this thing. Like we don't always right. like yeah. get an ROI on this. He didn't understand how movies work. Oh, this is <laughs> he, so great. Like, you know, but, but it's good. See, these are s- salient points that I think this is the purpose of your podcast. There's your advocacy right here. Like just yep. by people tuning in going, wait, I'm actually in a similar situation. Like you're, you're giving education and also very valuable insight to independent filmmakers so that they can actually tread the steps properly. I think it's great. Uh, this format is great guys for this. That's awesome, uh, man. We, appreciate we really you. appreciate that. And speaking of format, Nick, mm. can you introduce this week's, this episode's things we should know. I, I think I, I like that. Things we should know. Right? It's, it's almost small. like a Stuart Smalley. <laughs> Did right, I age right. myself with, it, with that? <laughs> SNL Stuart, Stuart yeah, Smalley. I'm Smalley. I'm good enough and dark. I'm it. smart enough. I'm smart enough. Yeah, yeah. Dog I'm, on it. Yeah, yeah. Like that, it kind of sounded like that. It was like a mixture of that and um, uh, like Gumby. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so things we should know, and of course, always inspired uh, by those folks that join us on the podcast. So I've actually got uh, two questions. Uh, They're related, of course. Uh, The first one is hopefully a, a little bit of a fun one that will lead us into the second one. So the question is, what is the name of Leonardo DiCaprio's foundation for environmental activism? Well, I will tell you right away, just knowing what I know about, um, and by the way, the uh, name of the uh, protag in Anatomy of the Fall is uh, Sandra Hewler, 
if I pronounce that correctly. She's fantastic. Kudos to you, Sandra. But yeah, you definitely have an advantage on this, Jordan, because you're a big fan of Leo and a big fan of Scorsese and a big fan of Clooney. Like you're probably going to know this stuff. (laughs) Uh, So I know that DiCaprio loves like his thing is climate change. His thing is like ice is melting where ice is not supposed to be melting. Mm -hmm. Like forests are coming down where forests aren't supposed to come down. Um, but the name of his foundation, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, Clooney, Clooney has not on our watch. Uh, Clooney has hope for Haiti. Um, but what does DiCaprio have? Um, Jordan, do you have a guess? I was going to say, it's making me question actually a couple of things. This might be a loaded (laughs) answer. Uh, the first is while Chris is doing his, what the heck is so, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he might have a couple of foundations, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I know his production company is Apian oh, Way. That's a trick question. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think it might be the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation. The Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation is a solid freaking guess. It is, okay, it is. I, I don't want to piggyback on it and ape your answer, Jordan. So I will guess uh, the foundation for the wolves <laughs> of Wall Street. <laughs> uh, living living endangered in Siberia. Yeah, I see. Yes. Nice nice guess, Chris. I, I appreciate that. No, I don't and, I don't uh, have a I don't I don't I don't have a I don't have a name. Uh, you know um, Yeah, I get it. I get actor, it. Actors for yeah. climate change. Leo yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's excellent, and I and I have to say that uh, this ended as I thought it would with, <laughs> with with Jordan getting it correct. It is the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation. Well done, sir. Well done, sir. <laughs> I was really pulling for the wolves, though, Chris. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Shout out to Leo. He's doing great work. He's he's yeah, he, he is. He is. So, uh, so I'll add the, the second question uh, to this one. Again, this one might be something that Jordan, you know, um, but through his work, uh, Leo, Leo DiCaprio, because, you know, we're tight like that, right? I can call him Leo. Yeah. It's like me and my boy, John, John Daniels, mm-hmm. we're really good friends, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. Everybody else calls him Jack. He's, he's John to me. So now the question is this, uh, he has produced two documentaries Mm. do you know the names of the two documentaries that leonardo leonardo dicaprio has produced boy Mm. Uh. um produced makes it so tough right like um yeah because you don't think about them that way Mm-hmm. Like we know, and here's the, here's the thing guys, as you're thinking about it, one of the things that, or the reason that I brought this up is because everybody knows Leonardo DiCaprio. Like you can't, yeah. right. Yeah. I think maybe 60% of the people understand that he is also an activist in this way, climate change, environment, yeah. uh, sustainability, right? So let's say 60%, but you don't know the films, the documentary films that he's produced. And it's very interesting for someone to have that level of celebrity, right? Can, can we get, can and, we get, can we get a range of years? These documentaries came out in please. Sure. Uh, okay. I'll actually give you 
the two it's like years. A, it's like a lifeline, Jordan. The actual years in. of both, right? So one of them is 2007, and the other one was 2016. Okay, so does that surprise you, Jordans? Because we were thinking last two or three years, because we're starting to see this influx of sort of like really high-end actors, a known actors producing more. So Margot Robbie, for instance, uh, not only I think was a producer on Barbie, but also on Saltburn. And then uh, you had Emma Stone with Poor Things. And uh, the year before that, she did, um, uh, gosh, uh, Easy A or something like that. I, I can't remember. But oh, um, right. if, if that's correct, I, I, I might need to be in all in all narratives, though. Right. Yeah. These, these are documentaries that mm-hmm. supported his work that he's doing with this. But foundation. this is way back. This is 2007. This is yep. like basketball diaries or something. Yep. Uh, well, that was before that. That was way before that. Um, like basketball diaries, like mid 90s or something, actually, I think. Uh, right when the basketball yeah, was coming out, that was way back. Yeah, really yeah. way back. Yeah, but 2007. Um, gosh, what would have come out then that would have been because in 2007, you wouldn't have had a movie that like it would have been a standalone doc in my mind, right, Jordan? Like, like, yeah, it wouldn't I, have I been a big climate change say- doc. Yeah, I almost want to say an inconvenient truth if he got involved yeah. with that, but I, I don't think I was thinking of that too. But I yeah, was inconvenient I, truth at like Y2K or something like around that time, or when did it come yeah, out? Yeah, it know. might have been earlier. Yeah, mm. I, I'm trying yeah, to, and you it, know what's funny? I'm actually yeah, visualizing. I don't remember the title of the one, but I remember the polar ice sheets. That, that's why I'm like, I. I I can't answer this question, Nick. I feel terrible. <laughs> uh, is one of them? Is one of them like the 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 March of the Peng- Penguins? <laughs> no, it is not. Okay. So I will I will just let you know, right? Okay. So the one that was done in uh, we'll two thousand exactly two thousand seven is the eleventh hour. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, he knew. And then twenty sixteen is before the flood. Before, before the, the flood. flood. Yeah. Okay, I don't so so Jordan. It sounds like you kn- you knew the eleven hours. I don't know that one. I would have never guessed it, but I knew before the flood, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's a great things we should know. Those are all three of those. Nick are things we should know, right? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad like on that so many levels we need to know all those things. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Let me qualify this important. actually, Nick. Yeah, I wanted yep. to say something about that. Even though we got the wrong answer, I think everyone listening or watching should definitely go see those two productions because it's more important that people watch them than us forgetting them. There you go. You got it 100%. That's perfect. So yeah, that's, and that's the thing is that there's so much goodness that's happening outside of the celebrity. There are folks that are using their platforms to create things like this. And it is important that we go out and support those things that we, we watch these films, uh, especially those that can help us to understand what we can do to help this planet that we all live on. Yeah, I agree. And you know, guys, I will say, I don't know. I mean, we all have individual goals and collective goals, but I mean, if I can elevate my stature as an artist, like over time and be associated with the right, you know, collaborative teams, I I just want to use the art to propel forward a lot of the platforms on the planetary environmental side. I, I would love to become like a UN ambassador. There's a lot of things that if we're not devoted to shifting a lot of the problems that are occurring right now and perhaps even becoming more grave, 
I'm of the school of thought. I believe the science. I think that we're in trouble. Uh, some people yeah, say, no, the yeah. earth will self-correct and all these things. I, <laughs> I think it's up to human beings to, to do our part. But, but, but okay. The, the melting and the storms and the floods are the self-correcting. The volcanoes that are happening at random times, the tsunamis, that is the self-correcting. We don't want to be a part of that. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like the, the, um, I took a 23 and me, my whole family did. We were early adopters on that. Right. And it says that my lineage on my father's side is from a place called Doggerland, which used to be north of the United Kingdom. And look, for anybody that doesn't know that has a list of this podcast, my mom is black. My dad is German. Okay. So here's the deal. Doggerland is underwater. It's underwater. It doesn't exist anymore. And if the, if, if the waters receded, Doggerland would come back. We'd find all this stuff. We'd find a lost civilization, basically. Like that's wow. everybody, everybody migrated south as the, um, you know, as the water rose. And what I've heard people say in science is like people don't understand that, that you're not measuring change of water temperature by degrees as much as by percentage. And a 2% change plus or minus has catastrophic results. So that's to your point, Jordan, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with once like two degrees warmer, Florida's underwater, basically have the middle of California's underwater. And then two degrees colder, you have the expansion of the poles. Like water can freeze in the, you know, uh, in places where water is really, really cold. So it's not that we have this like giant field uh, of, of possibilities to dance around in and like, Oh, it'll self-correct. Oh, this doesn't matter. It's very narrow. Like, like the mm -hmm. balance of, of our world being a, a place where we can inhabit it safely is narrow. It's a four degree total space basically, or a four percentage total space plus or minus two either way. So anyway, you know, Chris, I would, I just wanted to add to that. You, Chris mentioned, you know, the idea of the, um, this is how the planet is self-correcting, right? Yeah. yeah. And it, the first thing that it made me think of was, uh, the matrix. And if you remember the matrix, there was a part <laughs> in there where Mr. Anderson was speaking and he said something about what humans are. And he said, you know, you're a virus. You oh, spread, right. right? Remember that, right? I disagree I with Mr. Anderson. I understand that, but I, I'm sitting here <laughs> thinking and I'm thinking like, well, how does the body deal with a virus, right? It sends these white blood cells to well, kill the be virus. <laughs> Why are you stupid? <laughs> <laughs> so it sends... The, oh, oh, boy. <laughs> exactly. So it sends the white blood cells after the virus. And that's back to Chris's point. is like the earth is sending something after yeah. the virus. Yeah. yeah right? Exactly. It's sending floods. It's sending tornadoes. It's sending lava after the virus. It says something is bothering me. I need to get rid of that thing that is killing me. So it's funny. You just said that. I was like, Hmm, mm, exactly. I wonder if the earth is coming after us, man. Like it's <laughs> cause and effect, you know, man. I'll tell yeah. you guys a, an interesting anecdote in light of what you're saying there, Nick too. So I remember when, when I was mentioning my dad did gardening growing up, I remember like very early on. So he would do everything so precise, like everything organic till the land. Uh, we grew up in Canada. So the snowfall was still there. He'd plant the garlic and then 
he would make sure like uh, to get the topsoil from the farm, get the manure to help cultivate mm-hmm. the soil to really enrich with all the nu- nutrients and everything. And then he would do everything. Everything was so aligned, like where to step and then what leaves to trim. You'd spend like two, three, four hours a day and then it would rain and then the rain would come down and it's acid rain. And then he would see after the acid rain, then that would bring in like certain insects that were almost like non-native to like what you would expect to be on the vet. And he'd be like, I can't understand. He goes, I'm doing all this to cultivate a garden. And then whatever the world is doing outside of me, it's doing this. So it's almost like, I'm like, dad, I'm surprised that you're not shouting at neighbors or down the street going, (laughs) whatever you're doing, you got to stop it. But I think the planet feels like that as well sometimes. I mean, if we can personify it. And I, it just, it's going to take such a concentrated effort. It's so funny, you know, pe- people that recognize these things, even some of the things you were saying, Chris, like when you feel it so presciently and then others don't, like it's mm. almost, you have to almost contain yourself and say, okay, that means you just have to start leading by example and exactly. then try to rally around as much support as you can and then build from their grassroots, right? What do they say? It's always like the small minority of people that begin the surge to change the world. And I don't know what we need, change, alter, fix, rescue, repair. It's going to take an onslaught of effort. Yeah. And I think despite um, what the news might tell you, there are millions and millions, if not a billion people that are all trying their best to do their best. Um, There isn't any technologist that I've read or know about that isn't looking at climate change, not only as the next big, great investment opportunity, but a way to uh, improve the world, continue the world, help humanity in a meaningful way. And so if the obstacle is always just money, you know, you know, that means that, you know, we can definitely foster change. Um, You know, what happens is, you know, how do you, if you've become rich off something that turns out to be really bad for you, what will it take, as you said earlier, Jordan, to create a win-win like with, mm-hmm. with a person who's not really interested in your agenda? I mean, so we did that with the tobacco industry and we gave them the time to get into smoking alternatives. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that they could survive. But if you just, kill them right away, then they resist and do all sorts of nefarious things to, 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 to get in the way of, of, of progress. Uh, the auto industry, think about how many t- people and, and uh, investors, funds, companies, um, were not only using government subsidies to survive, but also shorting, you know, all the people who are making electric vehicles, right? Cause they don't want to be put out of business period mm-hmm. point blank. And, and so they don't want that money. And what's tied to that money? Employees, people's houses, their lives, what they finance. So these things do take time because what we've built up, you know, all, you know, all around us. Um, it, you know, I, there are cities that don't have telephone poles. There are cities that don't have traffic lights because they know roundabouts are more efficient. But you can't do that around the world at, all at once because we built up this whole big thing around yeah, the idea that turned out to be not as good. <laughs> so yeah. how do you, so, so we just have to keep fighting the good fight. Uh, speaking of fighting the good fight though, we've gone this far in the conversation. I've loved this chat by the way, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, and we don't know the plot Jordan of 
your film, uh, the short or the the feature of Brothers in Arms. So can you break down like what this movie is about, why you wanted to make it, why you want to make it so bad and 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 what it means to you? Is it personal? Is it completely fictional? What's going on with this movie? Wait, wait, can I, wait, before you get into that, Jordan, um, in the spirit of this wonderful conversation mm-hmm. and the the joy that we're having, mm-hmm. I wanted to offer what I thought the movie was about when I first heard it. I thought it was about me. And you're like, wait, <laughs> I know you're like, wait, what, Jordan's like, what do you, what do you mean? How could it be about you? I mean, I thought about brothers in arms, you know? Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> Yes. Jordan's talking about acid rain. You're talking about chocolate rain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> chocolate rain. <laughs> you know what's crazy about chocolate rain is he was writing about acid rain. It's very right. meta. Exactly. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. All right. All right. I, I digress. I digress. No. My bad. All right, Jordan, let us really know what Brothers in Arms is about. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate it. So the... I guess the, the inception, I mean, it never starts with the story. I think it always starts with what inspires the project or the story, right? So, I mean, in my personal family history, I mean, your upbringing is, is completely influenced by your influences. And uh, World War II was a big one uh, in our family. I mean, both mom and dad's side from Europe. Uh, and I mean, Italy's inclusion in the war, I mean, when they aligned with Germany and then they decided to forsake Germany and then what ended up happening on Italian soil, I mean, it's just complete devastation. It's so sad. Like mm-hmm. we never, never learn the lessons of the past or maybe war becomes this like unnecessary, unnecessary monster, right? That just, it just destabilizes lives. I mean, we're seeing the Mideast now and everything. It just, it's just yeah. an incessant thing as human beings that we have inside of us to have conflict. But uh, my grandfather, one of them actually disposed bombs, just kind of like the Hurt Locker. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in his Great film. In the unit died when he was doing that for the military. So then he kind of left Italy. His wife pulled him out of there and said, look, you, you can't do this anymore. You're going to get blown up. It's a t- very, very hard, challenging job. So he ended up going to Brazil and then he ended up in Canada. And then he's like, I got to bring the family over. And then family eventually gets there. My other side, grandfather becomes a POW in Africa. Uh, ends up in Argentina, ends up not going back to Italy. So division and separation in our family were huge themes growing up in terms of we have cousins on this side of the world and that side, and how come this person didn't go back home and why'd they stay there and why'd that person follow them? There was a lot of this. And I'm sure a lot of families go through this. I mean, the migrant crisis that's going on right now, There's this stuff never ends. So I think there were things that I had to get out of me Um from an artistic standpoint in terms of, I guess, growing through that experience, because we'd sometimes have cousins that come in and it's like, wow, I'm supposed to be close to this person. I don't even know them. Like I know nothing about their life and I hear all the heritage stories. So I've always been influenced by real seminal, cathartic, gritty cinema, like Michael Mann's Heat or Martin Scorsese's films, The Departed. I I love films like this. And I wanted to kind of explore the themes in the film, the idea that came to mind that was resonant with me, these two brothers, where if I posited the fact that they were separated at a young age due to tragic circumstances and the story, I don't want to kind of give too much away, but a family tragedy ends up happening and then they end up growing up with disparate lives. 
One gets raised on the straight and narrow, and it's kind of an exploration of nature versus nurture as well. And then he becomes this groom for promotion LAPD police lieutenant. And the other brother gets taken in by the tentacles of their father, who's been living a life of organized crime. And the film picks up 25 years later. These two boys on opposite sides of the law, they're on a collision course to Clyde. And the film explores what is the meaning of family and can family be redeemed after all that distance and separation? So I play the brother that was raised on the straight and narrow in the film. And Mm -hmm. that was, I found that was deeply helpful for me too, in terms of exploring that reservoir of feelings that I had growing up. It's a deeply personal project from that standpoint, but also we were truly really trying to hearken and herald a lot of the films that I mentioned, the seminally sought films that, everyone kind of feels like they almost take on a cult following. Like this is like a saga. And I wanted to make sure from an independent filmmaking standpoint that all the supporting characters were also explored in terms of what their intentions and priorities and motives and agendas are. So we get to really explore that in the feature film screenplay. So with the 40 minute short, I'm just hoping that it kind of gives some semblance of how heavy the themes are and, for people to take something away. And after people watch the short, it kind of ends on a cliffhanger. A lot of people have kind of reacted like, no, wait, that, like, what, what happens now? Like I want to see. And we kind of did that deliberately to kind of really foster interest in being able to tell the entire story. Yeah, I got it. I, I appreciate that very much. It made me think of my own life a little bit. I mean, my grandfather was a, on my dad's side again, was a French mercenary and oh, wow. likely, yeah, likely spent, um, a good amount of his time trying to colonize Northern Africa for France. Look Matter of fact, that. the one picture I have of this man, uh, he, who I never met in person, uh, but the picture I have of him was him in, in Algeria. Um, so uh, he was likely there doing that and little, and probably unbeknownst to him, he ends up with the, you know, a black grandchild <laughs> and, 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 li- and life is cyclical and scientific like that. Right. So, it, yeah. you know, the, the, the things you sow, they just kind of come back around in their, in their uh, own unique way. Um, I think uh, it reminds me of uh, that line that Andre 3000 had on uh, Donda where he's like, um, where he's like, I don't know if I believe in basically what he's expressed is I don't know if I believe in heaven or hell or God, because I don't get to talk to my, my mother who's passed away. And then he reconsiders and thought, well, maybe it comes in a different form. Maybe it's the blade of grass sticking in my back when I'm laying down to tell me to keep moving. Wow. Or, or to get up and or get up and run. Right. Get up. Right. So, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he's, he's unbelievable. So, so, but, but these things are all explored. It feels like in your film, right? Yeah. No, the, no question. The I butterfly effect that. of that. Yeah. No, that's a really interesting story. So I wonder if there's even a way, Chris, for you to, explore that either in a filmmaking guys or in a literary guys that that's a very unique story that you describe and i think there's a lot of people you guys do a great job of thought share i think on the podcast in my opinion but Thank like you. i think it's it's resonant with a lot of people when they listen to that because guys i mean i i think half the world i mean it derives from immigrants i mean everybody's always in this state of transition and within two generations if you explore deep enough your own family heritage you're going to find commonality in stories like this. I mean, we, we all don't come from the same place and we're all in this position of movement. And I mean, it creates all these disparities and you kind of have to brave through those things. Like that also affects the financial realities of family. It affects like, 
your your closeness and how you feel about the people that are connected to you by blood. Yeah. I think it also affects your worldview, how maybe you even, how you, I guess, perceive like other conflicts on the other side of the world. You say, okay, well, that doesn't involve me. But then if you look back deep enough, maybe your heritage is actually shared with some of the people that are involved in those conflicts. So I don't know. I think there's a sense of loyalty to your lineage that I think that has to be explored somehow as an artist. I, that's always yeah. been important to me. I don't know if that you guys feel the same way. Yeah. Well, I like that, that whole, I mean, that whole background that you just gave was definitely an, an impassioned one. Yes. Um, but one of the, the experiences, so I'm going to not having seen, of course, the, the short that you've created and not having envisioned yet the feature film that you're going to hopefully one day create as well. One of the things that Chris and I have witnessed is that this type of passion exists in, in many, many filmmakers. And there is one mistake that they make. Hmm. They build this passion into the story so deeply that no one can see it. Mm-hmm. As in, they understand that it's there because they made it, but they also try to make something that, let's say, might be more commercially successful. And everything is now in potentially an innuendo or metaphor, but it's stuff that the filmmaker understands. Like, well, that's why I did that. Like, I did it like this because this is what it meant to me. But you covered it up in so much other stuff. That now, because to the point you made earlier, Jordan, about, you know, you make this thing and people don't see it and they don't understand. And it's maybe because you hid it from them. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I know we've experienced that before, where it's like, I, I saw what you were trying to do. And now that I'm sitting with you and we're going through this film step by step by step, maybe I can see what you're trying to do. But you don't get that relationship with a distributor or another financier where you're going to sit down with them step by step by step and go through it. I mean, you hope it has to be (laughs) exactly. It has to be clear and apparent when they see the film that that was truly the message that you were trying to get out. Well, the big point there, Nick is, is that if if you do hide all the, the passion in the, in metaphor and in nuance and in, in, in innuendo, um, then you miss the emotional notes that are required to make someone uh, attach themselves to a, a film. And that's, right. that's the big deal. So it's not that they don't get it or whatever. It's just like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to connect here to this and, and, and you're not letting me, there's a hundred indie films that do it, but you know, there's no reason, you know, to bring them up. I, I think, the, the most classic example that everybody knows of, that's recent is Tenet. Let's just, you know, I love Nolan, mm-hmm. but people have a hard time with Tenet because it is, it is too, um, it is too wrapped up within itself for you to get everything about it. Cause it was already a difficult concept to understand. Not you know, this idea of, of not things going backwards, you know, it's not, it's not a reverse button. You know, it's, it's, it's something, it's something else. And then, so first you have to wrap your head around that. Then all the other things tucked in. I can't tell you how many people have been like that. I have no idea what was happening in the final (laughs) act of the film where they're, where they're, you know, in the war where some soldiers are going backwards and some are going forwards and the release time had to be perfect. And when you, now this is the reason I bring up tenant. One, everybody knows it. That's why I brought it up. But the mm-hmm. other reason why is because exactly what Nick said is so spot on. 
if you buy the tenant Blu-ray and I listen, I think yeah. you should buy the, t- the Blu-ray. I do. It's great. It's actually a great Blu-ray. The extras in it are tremendous. If you open the Blu-ray and pop in the extras uh, disc, I think there's two or three of them. You'll get the movie perfectly. Right. You're like, oh my God. Oh my God. I, you right. did. And then you, you, you have even more adoration and respect for Nolan. You're like, and the cinematographer, I forget his name, but it's like, oh my God. I, you're a genius. I can't believe you like just, just everybody just Google. Um, uh, I think it's Rotas R O T A S. And the whole thing will come up. He wrote the whole movie based on this thing that randomly shows up all around the world that no one can explain. That's in Latin. And it's one of these things where it spells the same thing forward as it does backwards all the way around. And it's five words in a row. Uh, forget what that's called. Nick, uh, not a palindrome, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing what you learn, but you have to sit down right. and do all the explanation mm-hmm. over the span and of two or three extra discs. And now finally you get the movie and independent filmmakers. <laughs> and don't we don't have, have that, that luxury. luxury. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that's it's it. So that. that's, that would be the thing that I would say just make sure you don't bury it too much in some, sometimes it's just the art. You yeah. thought it was a more creative way of saying something, but you buried it. Cause you know what it is in your heart of hearts, you know, all right, I'm not going to name this filmmaker, Nick. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I got to do it. I got to just say this one. Tenet did it in an artful way. Here's here's what you don't do. We watched a film at a film festival. This was years ago where uh, a person just stumbled around on a railroad track for eight minutes. Sorry. Go ahead, Nick. And, we're, and, and they're calling and the filmmaker wants to call the audience dumb. Right. Exactly. So oh, you that, guys just my, aren't elevated. Like, yeah. You just don't on. get it. Yeah. So that's, that's my point. Come on. That's it. It's just make sure that that nothing passion, happened. The guy walked on in some railroad tracks. Quick, quick, right. Right. right, right. <laughs> exactly. You just got to make sure that the passion that you have, right. The core of what the story is, is clear and apparent without you having to be there. That's it. But you know, I, I want to say that this, these are great points you guys are bringing up, by the way, this is probably going to help a lot of people as well, but you know, I think one way that you can um, insulate from some of the negative effects of that, because then it doesn't get interpreted properly. I think you have to invite the collaboration of your creative partners where like, I mean, my co-director on this, Ibrahim Nada and my cinematographer, Aaron Alps, I remember early on in the process, I said, guys, like, here's what the purpose is. Here's what our motivations are, like what we're going to try to explore. And then right away, it's open-ended. What do you think? What are you seeing? How do you think we need to? And even on set, there were things that were imbued or added, or we took tangents or, and I think their added inclusion, if I took more of like a stiff approach where it's like, you know what? No, I got to stick to the vision. The film actually would not have been executed. I believe like as potently as like it were with their inclusion. And it's, um, that was a very, very good lesson for me as well, because you have to be close to the material because you have to drive it forward, but you can't be too close, like you said, to where it's actually, there's execution traces that they can't be readily defined. This is very important. I'm really glad you guys made that point. Yeah, I think it's great. Shout out to uh, Ali Asala and uh, Sarah De La Haya, who run the 48 here where I'm at in Nashville. You know, they brought up, uh, I think it was this year or last year, but they brought up 
all the well, it was last year, but I think it was I can't remember if it was two years ago or one year ago. But they brought up all the filmmakers that made 48s. And if you're not familiar with the 48, it's a film festival where like on the fly, they give you the genre, the subgenre, uh, characters that have to be in there, lines that have to be in there, props that have to be in there. You have to write something in basically 10 hours and shoot it all in 48 hours, edit, post everything. It's such a challenge, right? So they brought up the filmmakers and said, what's one thing you learned from this process? And I want to say 11 out of the uh, 15 directors that were up there uh, that got were part of that Q&A said, um, be more collaborative. Look at that. Wish, huh? I, wish I'd yeah. listen to my team more. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah, it's unreal. <laughs> but it's true, though. Like it, it, in film, in my opinion, it is the utmost collaborative. Pro- I, I'm trying to think. I mean, I've talked to people that have done concerts for some of the larger high profile acts like the Taylor Swift's of the world, the U2s. And I mean, that those are like 500 to 1,000 person productions. I mean, if you want collab you got to see some of the camera work in that. It's almost like I just have to focus on my job because if I'm two feet to the right or left, it's going to discombobulate the entire, like these things, you know, it's funny, the naked eye, the viewer that doesn't maybe have on hand experience of what goes into productions and the arts. I don't think they would ever know the things perhaps that you guys are bringing up right now. It's great. It's great that you're heralding them. Well, it's, it's, it's our awesome. pleasure. It's, it's kind of what we're yep. here to do. And, and Nick, I appreciate you bringing up the fact that this is kind of like activism and in a podcast, because <laughs> yeah. it's not that I don't know it, but uh, a person, a uh, wise man once told me that uh, people don't need to be told, they need to be reminded. reminded. And so uh, yeah. I, I, I just need to be reminded, oh, yeah, yeah, this is activism. This is, this is, this is helpful, hopefully, to those listening. So if it was helpful, let us know. Drop us a line. Engage with it. Tell a friend. All that good stuff. Um, this has been a blast guys. I've, I've yeah, really, dude. I've really, really, <laughs> truly enjoyed it. It's been, it's been incredible. Uh, Jordan, before we let you go, how can everybody listening sort of follow you, uh, see some of your work, uh, contribute, uh, support you, uh, in your work and your activism? Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, and thank you guys uh, for everything today. Uh, it's always great to, uh, discourse with, you know, uh, fellow independent filmmakers is fantastic. Uh, for, for, I guess for our project, uh, www.watchbrothersinarms.com. Uh, that's got all the latest news on the film, the press, uh, you know, different, um, uh, I guess, uh, developments with regard to our, our feature financing push that we're on right now. Uh, our film is going to be, uh, it's actually being exhibited at European film market in Berlin on February 21st. Uh, in the afternoon at the main cinema there in Berlin. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, we've been reaching out to a lot of people in industry for it. Uh, my acting handles, uh, www.actorjordancharles.com. That's got a lot of my footage and recent work. And uh, Instagram at actorjordancharles as well. Though I'm not very active on social media, uh, we try to posit some latest news on that as well. Appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. So you heard it from the man himself. Go to actor Jordan Charles on social. Go to actorjordancharles.com on the internet to follow him. Do support his film at www.watchbrothersinarms.com. I cannot wait to, um, yeah, Brothers in Arms, Nick. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I thought the movie was about <laughs> hugging young black children. So I just, I, <laughs> <laughs> But this is why I'm so bad at things we should know. I'll change the one sheet. I'll change the one sheet. Right. Yeah. That'd be great. We appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> but no, in, in all seriousness, do support this film. I cannot, I cannot wait to see what comes of this and um, just to follow the journey. And, you know, usually after these conversations, what me and Nick always say is we just made a new friend for life. So I hope that's the case. I Very hope cool. you feel the same, Jordan. And, and for those listening that don't already know, you can listen to this podcast, support this podcast, and support what we're doing here on the Make It Podcast in a few very simple ways. Uh, anywhere you go online, just type in the Make It Podcast, and all of our links will come up. But if you want to be specific on YouTube, just type in the Make It Podcast will come up on Instagram and on X underscore Make It Podcast, and we'll be right there. Facebook. The Make It Podcast, we, we will come right up soon to be back on TikTok uh, pretty soon. We'll let you know when that happens. And be sure to subscribe to our biweekly newsletter. It's just a passion project for, for the team here. We're a little team that could we put it together every two weeks. And it's not just compiling a bunch of stories from around the world of film. We just handpick these things, curate. We give offer codes. We we give things from inside industry that you can't find that that are part of associations and unions and clubs and things like that. So we just try to make it fun and something that's really, truly useful to you. So you can subscribe to that. It's free at www.banzai.film, F-I-L-M, forward slash subscribe and put your email in there and that'll be that. Join the club, join a bunch of creatives and film creatives like yourself uh, in that newsletter. So with that, oh, I should mention Nick about how to find you because you have this, you know, not only your email, Nick at bonsai.film, but you have this new Reddit. Can you tell people about your Reddit situation and, and how you're, <laughs> how you're doing with that and how many questions you're getting and answering? Yeah, I man, I said the Reddit situation, like I'm in, like I'm in trouble. I'm like, what am I? Uh, but yeah, it just, it's, it's really easy. It's just Nicholas Bugs on, on Reddit. That's it. Just at Nicholas Bugs, keeping it simple so people can connect with me. Uh, but I'm out there asking questions, man. Uh, I'm trying to answer questions that come up as well. Just basically being part of that online social community around, uh, filmmaking. So it's been, it's been great. There's so many great. Uh, questions that are being asked out there so much great discussion out there on reddit reddit as well so i'm just happy to be out there doing it so mm -hmm. uh with yeah with that i'll say that um i'm very excited uh to see the film you know about what, what is it again chris it's oh underground negro arm wrestling league. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this thing is evolving wow <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go watch Brothers in Arms, okay? Brothers, you gotta, in, brothers in Arms by the one and only Jordan Jordan Charles, and and look, it's by the way, uh, no, this was by Jordan Peele, I think. By Jordan, that <laughs> one's by Jordan Peele. The other right, one, right. the real one's by Jordan Charles. The real one's by Jordan Charles, right? Nick, we <laughs> need to bring Reddit questions to the podcast. We will. We need to create. Well, I got them ready. Yep. Mailbag segment to yep. answer these questions that we're answering on Reddit all the yep. time. I got them ready. Now man. you answer them, them. I'm the guy who replies. I'm on there too, but I just reply with eggplant emojis and poop emojis. Yeah, um, I know. The, I got to just yeah, yeah, yeah. downvote <laughs> that, downvote <laughs> that. You know? You're, you're actually answering because I want to bring these questions to the podcast for everybody yep, that's not will. on Reddit so they get those answered. Yep. And then if you want to reach out to me, I'm on Twitter. You can just search for my name, Chris Barkley, and I will show right up i answer and so does nick 100 of these messages and so with that nick can you leave us with the credo after yet another pregnant 
Pause, I shall. So <laughs> to our friends, our fans, our fellow filmmakers, and of course, our family out there, we always say, be better, be creative, be engaged. And thank you for listening. Jordan, talk to you soon. Nick? Thank you, guys. We'll really appreciate end. it. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, brother. We appreciate you too, man. This is the right, guys. Talk soon, guys. Yep. Later. Peace. Close to you.